0: probably know, Malcolm is preaching in Thames Valley today uh, for Thessalonians. And I'm not preaching for Thessalonians, although I did last time I was here. I'll be speaking about prayer. Uh, My last time in the UK was December. And since then, uh, one of our decisions this year, for me, is to only uh, do one international trip a month. So I've cut down. But I'll share with you just a little bit of what's happened recently, because uh, at Christmas, Our our youngest child, who's about 30, and my wife and I, who are about 130, uh, we went to Nepal. uh, We were invited to stay with friends, to to meet our friends, the Templars. But also there was this Hope Youth Corps, Hope Volunteer Corps going. uh, And that was a service project to help needy school children. And so we were part of that and got to teach every day. It was a blast. I don't know how many of you have ever been to India or Nepal? Uh, but it was a terrific thing. These volunteers were from many countries, especially Asia, some from the US, and some were old, like 60s, some of them were more like 20. But it was an amazing time. I got to reconnect with the Buddhist monk that I had spent time with last year, and he gave me a massive hug. Oh, here's my daughter at, at the Buddhist shrine. Here's the, the monk himself. If you get my newsletters, you kind of know what's going on. But I often connect with people, leaders uh, from other world religions, so it was really great. Be back be back in Nepal uh, through my ministry, uh, we've been providing uh, for the hundred children of the school uh, coats and full school uniforms. And guess how much that costs four pounds a student. Wow. And for these students, uh, they actually sleep in those coats because the typical house there are windows, but there's nothing covering the window, and it gets cold in Nepal. So I'm really encouraged. This is something we're doing every year, part of my ministry. It's a bit of a stretch because I do the international Bible teaching ministry and this is teaching kids, but it's still a great cause. And here we are on New Year's Eve. Uh, I also, I've been in Moldova. Uh, Putin was threatening yesterday uh, to attack Moldova if Moldova uh, attacked the Rush, pro-Russian troops in Transnistria. That's the strip kind of between Moldova and Ukraine. It felt totally safe to me. It's a wonderful country. I've been there before, but now the shadow of of Russia is is falling over Moldova as well. And I don't know what's going to happen there, but it's something to keep in mind for prayer. Uh, Beautiful, Chisinau is a a beautiful place, Um, great food. My friends remembered I like licorice, real licorice, the kind that comes from licorice, not the synthetic stuff you get in the States or the red stuff, but it was a wonderful time there. In January, a new devotional series. I've been spending most of the last two years in Matthew and Mark. This was a 31 part devotional series called The Prism. And in my Sunday night group, because I'll be preaching tonight also, uh, our, our theme was Matthew's way Matthew depicts Jesus from the Old Testament. So Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospels. And there are so many references to. Christ of the Old Testament that we miss unless we slow down and look what Matthew is doing. So it was wonderful because even a lot of the older Christians loved it. So I taught on that in Moldova, a series on John, which I'm doing, that's what I'm preaching on tonight, actually from John 4. And that was the main message in Moldova, of and then the Russian, which is spoken more commonly, come and see, which is a big theme in John's Gospel. Then uh, last month it was Israel. Usually uh, once or twice a year, I lead a group somewhere. And uh, this year, it's Israel and Turkey. Uh, this was; uh, these are some of the Africans. They were our honored guests. We had a uh, 22 people come from Africa through the ministry. we were able to support them just to be have a free tour, basically. And they, they loved it here. This is almost Pentecostal. If you look at that, that was their their trick, uh, but really unifying time. These are the countries people came from. Usually, my tours are 50 to 100. 50 people from 10 or 20 countries, and that was the grid this time. And it was really cool, even from Zimbabwe, which is a blast. Um, yes, they still have camels there. No lions. Uh, yes, that's Jerusalem. The people are happy. We work with the guides. We tried the food. Uh, we ride camels. Here are the people from Sweden, where Victor and I used to live here. A number of our people swam in the Sea of Galilee. Uh, later on, a lot of us swam in the Dead Sea. Uh, you would really love this. That's in Samaria, actually. Ties into tonight's message. That's Nazareth. Here's the Sh- Dome of the Rock on top of the Temple Mount. They're the Southern Temple steps. Some of them are still remaining the first century steps that Jesus and the Apostles would have walked up and down to access the Temple. That's mustard seed. That's not that impressive, but uh, we do love the food. So we just had that tour. That was our group. Uh, that's on the Mount of Olives. Had a great time. Uh, I mentioned in um, Samaria. Yeah, my first time actually to the ruins of Samaria. I've been on Mount Gerizim before, but I was up there where the Samaritans used to have their own temple, but it was destroyed. I feel like I'm going the wrong way. But I, I might just duplicating slides, or they must have been duplicated. All right. So some, so many countries, of course, security is very high. You can see soldiers praying at the Western Wall. It's a national service, military service required for everybody except people who are studying to be rabbis. Uh, you have to, everyone takes part, men and women. The Israel Museum, of course, they'll never find the body of Jesus or his bones. But as you may know, 30 plus years ago, they found what was left of the bones of Caiaphas in that beautiful box that, where he was buried uh, a year after he died, they put his bones there. Caiaphas, the high priest who arranged Jesus' crucifixion. The Dead Sea Scrolls underneath there. Um, so many cool things. In Nazareth, and Bethlehem. Uh, life forms. Lambs. Street vendors. you got to go to Wadi Celts. Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. En Gedi, where David hid from Saul. Masada, where the Zealots held out for three more years against the Romans. Although Jerusalem fell in 70. The Southern Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is amazing. Now, here we are, uh, and so forth. So, uh, Arad, there's Shiva, the African group with me, upcoming tours, you're welcome to come. I've got some even this year still on the way. Had a, an event last Saturday in Livingston. Livingston's just outside of Edinburgh, That's where I live. And my wife had this idea, let's do a science and faith event, and she'll take care of the coffee and tea, and I'll teach, and then she'll do lunch for everybody, and I'll teach more. So this is one of my favorite topics. Science and faith do not have to be enemies. They can be allies. It was promoted by Christians in Science and by the Church of Scotland, and we had a good group. We're very encouraged. This feels good to be, I don't know, making people think. Not just someone you meet randomly, but people who live near where you live. And so Vicky wants to do more and more things with me, which is great. She's got a podcast. And that's starting Wednesday. So every Wednesday, uh, wherever you get your podcast, every platform, you'll find her. And Women of Worth is the series, so she's very eager about that. That's my wife. I was here, I am here because of AIM UK Ireland, and we had a wonderful time here yesterday. For those of you who attended, I really appreciate that. Then, upcoming, Croatia in a few days, but that's on Zoom. Southeast United States, a few days later, that's in person. And the Amen book you've already mentioned, a lot of the prayers in that book are 500 years old, 1,000, 2,000, even 3,000 years old, right? It's not just me making up prayers. I take a lot from Christian history, and I hope that you may enjoy that. So this called Our Father Who Art in Heaven, I assume those words are pretty familiar. That's what I'm calling the message. they will think they will be heard because of their many words do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him thank you thank you for helping and reading that passage which sets me up because the sermon begins in the very next verse jesus said when you pray you can go into an inner room and and hide don't let anyone know you're praying is that actually what he's saying does he mean don't be so obvious you know, did Jesus ever pray secretly in an inner room? Did he go into his wardrobe or something? <laughs> the prayers we see of Jesus seem to all be outside. So I don't think we take that one literally, like it's wrong if you don't pray inside. Though I have a friend who took it literally, and in his flat, he built a prayer cupboard. <laughs> and he would go in there, I think it was very small, so he would be praying inside where no one would see him. Of course, if you build a prayer cupboard People are going to know for sure. Oh, yeah, he's got a prayer cover. He prays. So that will definitely bring attention to you. I think the idea is not to spotlight yourself. And also he says, don't babble. Don't blab. The pagans, you know, most religions, people, it's like longer is better. No, shorter is usually better. And God knows what we need. So that's great. Thank you for that reading. The Lord's Prayer, as it's normally called, is a prayer I was brought up with. Um, I was brought up in, well, Church of England, except it wasn't called Church of England because of the Revolutionary War. It's called Protestant Episcopal Church of the United States. And I, was, I learned this when I was, I don't know, six, six or five. It's a very well-known prayer. And yet, interestingly, I was told when I became a Christian in uni, you shouldn't pray that. Firstly, uh, because you should pray from your heart, not, re- not reading a prayer. And also, because God's kingdom already came, so you can't pray like the kingdom come. So that was only really just for you know a few months or a couple of years. Then it expired. I'll come back to that in a moment or so. When Jesus says pray like this, he's telling us how we should pray. You know, like even asking for forgiveness. This is not his prayer. I don't think Jesus was asking the Father to forgive him. If he did, then then we're actually in trouble. But I have experienced Stefan. You mentioned this the difficulty of praying and the difficulty of praying out loud one of my deepest fears well fear a lot of people have is fear of public speaking but i became a christian uh, and i attended a small group bible study and after i was baptized i realized okay it was a men's study The, the brothers would stay a little bit longer and talk and then someone would close the group in prayer and i figured out oh no are they going to ask me? And they did. After a couple of weeks, I was terrified. It was a like Father God prayer, where you're using God's name as a punctuation mark. Father God this. <laughs> almost totally incoherent. I hated that. I would never do that to anyone. I would certainly never spring it on anybody. I think it's hard to pray. I've been a Christian. I'm in my fifth decade now. And the reason I did that book, and by the way, that, I did that book two, two years ago, more than two years ago because I need help. And I thought, if these are written, I will use this. Because for years, I I, I discovered the benefit of written prayers. Who says you can't read a prayer? If I wrote it two years ago, why, I mean, that was 2020. What's going on? There was a paper shortage in North America. And this thing, people could only do very small runs of, of print. And this thing had to go to China for printing because it's in red and black, and then to Canada for binding uh, for sewing with the leather and everything. So it took, my goodness, two years longer than I thought. So I think Jesus also, when he says, pray our Father, his prayers are more like my Father. So he's suggesting this is something we do together. So I would like to, uh, I want to analyze that prayer, uh, but just a little bit more about the Sermon on the Mount. We've, we've read that, uh, we've heard the reading of right before, don't be hypocrites, Don't confuse length with depth. And also, I think he's saying, there's no need to bring a list of our needs before the Father, since he already knows them. Now, on the other hand, would it be wrong to say, okay, Lord, I've got a list. I wanna pray for Ukraine, Transnistria, Moldova, and Russia. Let's pray for Nigeria. Let's pray for Turkey, Syria. I mean, is that wrong? Does God not know the need? Sure he does. And we're actually told to pray for leaders around the world. So. I'm stuck somewhere between let's let's just pray through lists and let's not have any list at all. Let's just pray for God's glory and and for character. Something to think about. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive. As we've forgiven our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's the original prayer. I want to make some observations before we conclude in prayer. One of those, and this is a you know kind of dead obvious, there's no insight here, it's short, <laughs> it's brief, it's crisp, there's no fluff, there's no unnecessary words. Jesus doesn't say, pray, Father God, thank you, bring your kingdom, Father God. You know, it, I mean, it hardly even mentions God except the very beginning. Actually, there's like no doctrine in there. Well, there's some. There's some substance. But it's very simple. It can be repeated easily and quickly if you want to. There's no amen. This custom of appending the word amen after a prayer I'm not against it. Some books of the Bible have an amen after them, but most prayers don't. That's a tradition. You think, oh no, if I don't say amen, then it won't be delivered up to heaven to (laughs) God's ears. I mean, and even worse, in Jesus' name, I don't see any of the early Christians ever praying in Jesus' name, like a formula, because without that magic formula, it won't work. I think the point is that if you're a Christian praying, In line with the will of Christ, it's automatically in the name of Jesus. It's not a word you say, that's magic. Abracadabra. Look at my rabbit. In the name of Jesus is more a condition or a state than a word or a formula. Now I know very well 90% of you today when you pray later, you'll close your eyes, bow your head, pray in Jesus' name and say amen. Four things that are not required But I'm saying, please, look at what Jesus said. When you pray, pray this way. Hmm. Third, pray to the Father. Now, God is, the, is a portrayed as a Father in the Old Testament, but many more times in the New Testament. Prayer is normally not directed to Jesus or the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that's wrong. I know of at least one prayer in the New Testament that's a prayer to Jesus. But Jesus said in John 16, you'll pray through me to the Father. You'll speak to the Father because of what Jesus did, and you'll do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the prayer gets the whole trinity there. So by the Spirit, you're praying through the Son to the Father, okay? Fourthly, you guys doing okay? I know it's a little bit of a lecture. I I think praying our Father reminds us, just saying our Father instead of dear Father or something, reminds us that we're part of the same family. If we're believers, then we're brothers and sisters together. One of the strangest families you'll ever find, right? (laughs) But we're part of the same family. And our father reinforces that. Now, that word hallowed doesn't really survive in modern English, except maybe in the word Halloween. Uh, I don't think it's really helpful, but boy, it's hard to let it go. The idea is that we're honoring God. He's honored when we submit to his sovereign care. I've got five more. What about the kingdom come? God's kingdom doesn't just come once. It's come many times and it will continue to come. And there's a parallel here when it says, uh, Your will be done, the kingdom comes more and more every time we decide to do God's will. So his kingdom is spreading. It's not just a one time event, it's not that it spreads only when someone is baptized. It spreads as we do his will. It's a little harder to pin down than you might like. You would prefer a more political definition of kingdom, and I will not give it to you. (laughs) He says, we're supposed to ask for our daily bread. I think that's a reference to Proverbs 30, verses seven to nine, where the guy prays, don't give me too much, or I might disown you. Don't give me too little, or I might be tempted to steal. Just give me my daily bread. But it's not the daily banquet, oh dear Lord, Give me my daily pork chop and gato and, you know, whatever you like. Like the sensible fellow, Agur, we're seeking modesty. Daily bread. And then forgive us our sins or our debts. In Luke's version, it's the sins. In Matthew's version, it's debts. Forgive others as we have been forgiven. And if I went further, uh, just a couple verses after the Lord's Prayer, he actually says, if we don't forgive others, we're not going to be forgiven. Now, this is quite amazing. It means if we're holding someone in contempt and legitimately or not to, to resent that person, if we won't forgive them, Jesus says we won't be forgiven. That has massive implications for your personal families, your marriages. It's implications for our country, for countries at war. This has implications very broad. And tenthly, we're to aim, we're to, aim to live righteously to avoid evil you know we don't want to be led into temptation we want to be delivered from evil these are very simple things okay let me ask you how many of the lines of the lord's prayer talked about church attendance okay, how often was uh, repentance and baptism mentioned uh, where did where did it talk about the trinity or midweek service or giving money this is the prayer Jesus is giving us what we need. Now, some of you say, but it's incomplete. I want the extra words. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. They're wonderful words. They're just not original. But they were added in the second century. There's nothing unbiblical about them. They're great. But if you want power and kingdom and glory, if you really want to see that, go to the book of Revelation. That's where it's mentioned all the time. It's not original, but when I pray the Lord's Prayer, because I pray it, or usually I sing it at least once or twice a day, I actually include the extra words. I hope you don't think less of me. (laughs) So, finally, this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, as it's called, is not a prayer list. It's a prayer, I believe, that brings my will in line with God's will. Not that they ever totally match, but boy, we're trying to bring our hearts to the right place, to bring our will, so we want to do God's word. And that's why we repeat it. We need to say it more than once, as the Lord instructed. This is a great prayer to pray privately. If you don't know the words, they're in my little book. (laughs) They're kind of all over the world. Christians have been praying them for 2,000 years. But notice it's our Father. I think that means, last, that we should pray the prayer corporately. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.